Sometimes the very thing that we think we want, the thing we think is going to fill us up, the thing that, the thing that we think is going to make our life make sense, ends up burning us in the end. Last week I started a series called Soul Cravings, and I talked about our souls all reach out for something more. That all of us, at the end of the day, we want to know that all the things that we do add up to mean something. That our lives count. That somehow, if we were no longer on the earth tomorrow, our lives will have made a difference. But so oftentimes in my life, I put my energies and my investments in things that are temporary and were never designed to satisfy the cravings that are deep inside of my soul. And so I search and I search and I just can't seem to shake that feeling that something is missing. Something's missing and, and I don't know how to fix it. That craving that's in each one of us, that, that deep soul craving is put there for a purpose. In fact, my soul cravings are designed by God to lead me to Him. That's why they're there. That's why deep inside of my soul there's a place that only God can fulfill. Nothing else can, nothing externally, nothing physically, only God can. He put that there to lead me back to Him. That's His desire for every human that's ever walked the face of the earth. No matter what you think about Jesus Christ, no matter what you think about God, that's His desire for you. One spring, many years ago, I was 12 years old, my buddies and I were leaving baseball practice and we passed the schoolyard and, and there was this huge pear tree all bloomed out really pretty and it was full of blackbirds. And so I got a feeling I wanted to do some target practice. So I picked up a rock and I told my buddies, I said, I bet I can hit a bird with this rock, not thinking that I could. Now, this is not a preacher story, I promise. It's, this is true, this happened. So I pick up the rock and there's no way, man, no way you can't do it. And I and I, you know, I went back and I was, you know, just, I'm going to hit a bird. And I couldn't see him. You could just hear him in there. And then they started laying dollar bills out. And I was like, keep it coming, boys. You know, I can do this. I threw the rock. I'm not kidding. It went into the tree and a blackbird fell and hit the ground, feet straight up towards heaven, dead. First try. And I thought, well, that was random. How did that happen? A lot of people think that their life is just a random series of of events. Things just happen and it's all just random. Relationships start and relationships end. You make money, you lose money, you get married, maybe unfortunately you get a divorce, you, you move to this city or that city. Your health is great for a while, your health is bad. You got a real close friend and then all of a sudden you don't have a real close friend. It would seem sometimes when you look at life that, is it just a series of random events or is there some kind of reason and meaning to the whole thing? Different things might happen in your life, good and bad and indifferent. A lot of different things might happen, but they are far from random. There's a guy in the Old Testament, his name is Job. There's a whole book about him in the Old Testament, in fact called Job. And there's some Bibles coming down the aisles and up the aisles right now. If you don't have a Bible with you today or if you need an extra one, just raise your hand and 
We'll give you one, it's yours to keep. We believe at LifePoint that the words you read in there can lead you to a deeper knowledge and lead you to a knowledge of how to begin a relationship with God. So if you don't have one, please take one. Follow along in there or follow along on the screen as I read from God's Word. If you looked in the Old Testament book of Job and you started reading, you would see pretty quickly a lot of bad stuff happened to Job. A lot of things in Job's life seemed kind of random because in one day, one day, Job lost everything that he had because of a storm, because of a fire, because of disease. Everything that he had was gone. And his friends who were watching, they were watching all this happen to him began to think, man, your life's a mess. You're messed up. Just give up, man. Just give it up. They thought it was all random. And if you read the whole story of Job from beginning to end, you read some pretty bad things that happened to him. Some things that didn't seem fair. Some things you think, how in the world could something like that happen to a human? But with all those things that happened to him, turn and read the, if you read the book of Job, read the last chapter, and you'll see that all those things that happened were anything but random. So our lives is, are not just a series of random events. If you're here today, and you're over, I guess, a certain height, you, you chose to be here. Nobody pulled you out. I know there may be some kids like, yeah, they did. Actually, I was, you know, playing Nintendo or, or watching TV, and mom, dad said I had to come. But most of the adults here came because you want to be here. I believe that you're here for a reason. I believe something drew you here. I don't think a random series of events got you in these seats today. There's another guy in the Bible. His name is Nicodemus. He's in the New Testament. And Nicodemus happened to be around where Jesus was teaching a lot. Not random. But he was listening to Jesus teach, and, and he, he started to really listen, not just, not just hear it, but he began to listen. Nicodemus, his story is recorded in the book of John, chapter 3. And I'm going to be reading from, from page 737 in that Bible that we just handed out in just a minute. Nicodemus was a Jewish leader, a Jewish ruling leader of the council. He was a godly man. He was a lawyer, and those things go together sometimes. And in this case, it did. And Nicodemus was listening to what Jesus had to say in John chapter 3. It says this, there was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. Pharisee was a uh, it was a sect of people who interpreted God's law in a very strict way, and then they took it upon themselves to interpret it for everybody else. In fact, they did way more than just read God's law. They read it, and then they wrote a book about God's law that was also law, and then they wrote a book about the book that's about God's law. So they were like, they had the thing locked up and tight, and they weren't going to make any mistakes. So this is what Nicodemus was. His whole life was focused on letter of the law, everything he did. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. So he hears Jesus and he starts to wonder, is this guy for real? Is what he's saying, it, it sounds pretty good, but is it for real? See, when Jesus went around in, in Jerusalem and in that area teaching, basically he had three responses from people. First group of people would hear what Jesus had to say and they would go, liar, <laughs> no way don't believe it, or they would say, come on, you came from heaven, 
Son of God, you know, please, what rock do you think I crawled out from under? No way. Skeptics. Skeptics listen to Jesus. Then there was another group of people. They were just observers. They just sat and, and, and listened and, and maybe were a little intrigued with what Jesus said, but pretty much they just followed to hear. They just heard what he said and Maybe they didn't apply it to their life and they weren't completely bought in. But they weren't hostile. They're not really skeptical. They just listened and wanted more information. Then there was a third group of people who, who believed Jesus. When he said it, they believed it. That was it for them. And they were like, I'm in. Where do I sign up? I'd like to follow you. And, and they're in. They believe. When Jesus says, believe in me, they're like, all right, you know, you work some miracles. I'll do it. And they believed. They were in. There was a fourth group of people that not really represented up here, and those were the perfectionists. Those were the people that, that thought they had everything just right. You know, they kind of watched Jesus from afar. I don't have a stool up there for them, but if you're a perfectionist, there's, if you go right out of this door right here, there's, there's some place out there for you to go. I always say all the time, I always say, if you're perfect, you have found the wrong church. Because, and don't come back, don't join, because you'll mess up what we got going. If, if you're perfect, because... I'm serious. I mean, we're, I'm imperfect. Everybody you see on stage, imperfect. We're a church full of imperfect people. So anybody else feel imperfect? You have found the right place. If you're perfect, I got, some, I got a list for you. Maybe we can, I better shut up about that. Maybe we can talk to you out in the lobby. Okay, so Nicodemus. Yeah, back to what I was supposed to be talking about. Nicodemus was an observer. He was just watching Jesus kind of at a distance, kind of trying to, get what he was talking about, trying to kind of understand what Jesus was saying. Nicodemus knew something was missing from his life. All of these things externally in Nicodemus' life looked great. But he knew something was missing. He wasn't really sure how to fix it. Because he'd been looking in one area to fix everything. And he was getting burned by it over and over. And something inside his soul was empty, and he was looking. And, you know, God never offers us perfection. God never says, I'll make you perfect. You'll never make mistakes, and you'll never have a regret, and you'll have all the money you need and all the stuff you want and all your relationships. Well, all of a sudden, they're all just going to be perfect. God never promised people that. But he did promise to bring us completion. He promised to make us complete So we don't have to live with an incomplete feeling in the depths of our souls. That's what he promised. In Matthew 19, verse 21, Jesus said, If you want to be complete, follow me. So there's a direct connection between being complete and following Jesus Christ. If you're taking notes, write this down. I am not complete apart from God. See, Nicodemus... He loved God. He had the education. He had the status. He had the money. But like me sometimes, Nicodemus was saying, you know, something is just missing. And he finally gave in what we read in John chapter 3. He finally gave in and talked to Jesus. It says he came to him at night. Maybe he came to him at night because he couldn't sleep. Maybe what was on his mind and in his soul was so intense that he couldn't sleep. Do you ever feel like that? Late at night, it's quiet. 
something on your mind, something in your heart, something is just not quite right, and it's impossible to get to sleep. Maybe that's what Nicodemus was dealing with. Maybe he came at night because he didn't want all of his other little Pharisee buddies knowing that he was going to talk to Jesus who claimed to be the Messiah. Maybe he was overly concerned about what people thought. That will paralyze you every time when you're overly concerned about what other people think. So he goes to Jesus and says, I know you're from God, but I need more. What, you, if you weren't from God, all this good stuff wouldn't be happening. So, so Jesus, tell me more. I'm looking for more here. I need to understand more. So Jesus responds the next verse in John chapter 3 and says, I tell you the truth, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus is like, huh? I, I'm, I'm talking, Jesus, I'm not talking about what, born again. What, what does that mean? Remember, Nicodemus is not thinking spiritually here. He's thinking physical. And just think of the mental picture that immediately popped into his mind when he says, be born again. He's thinking, okay. And he even says, I, I can't go back in the womb. That would be physically impossible and gross. And, and You know, I can't. So he's thinking physical. How can this happen? And then Jesus talks about being born again and then seeing the kingdom of God. If you were watching, this guy Nicodemus would have been, he would have been freaking out. He would have been just like, what, what, none of this makes sense. Because when you said kingdom of God to a Pharisee, to a Jewish person in that day, they immediately thought about this physical kingdom that this Messiah was coming to earth to set up. Something they could touch, something they could join in, something they could go live in, something they could be a part of physically. That's what they thought. So kingdom of God meant something physical to them. And that's what Nicodemus is thinking. Born again? Okay, that can't happen. Kingdom of God? Well, I don't see it. You haven't set the thing up yet. Where do I sign up? Who's the king? Who's the queen? I, you know, I want to know more about this kingdom. There was another religious leader speaking to Jesus one time in the book of Luke, chapter 17. It's on page 728 in those Bibles. And he was asking him the same thing about this kingdom. Jesus was always talking about the kingdom of God. And it was really confusing religious leaders of the day because they were thinking physical. And he was trying to communicate spiritually. And so he's just told Nicodemus, you want to be born again? If you're not born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. He's not getting that. And another religious leader asked about the kingdom of God, and this is what Jesus says. The kingdom of God does not come with careful observation, nor do people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. So what Jesus is saying, the kingdom of God is what's going to fill you up. That's where I want my kingdom to be, is inside of you. And anything else you try to put there won't fill you up. Because my kingdom is the perfect size to fit inside of the place that you feel empty. And, and many times in my life, I put things in there that weren't designed to be there, and I'm not fulfilled. How many times in your life have you tried to put something in your life, physical, that you thought, if I get this one thing, Man, you know, one more sale and I'm buying that car or whatever. If I just get this thing, 
then life's going to be full. And it is for, it feels good for a little while, but the new wears off, somebody backs into it or whatever, and then it's all messed up, and now you're not fulfilled anymore. So you move on to the next thing. None of those things were designed that are physical to fill you up. They can bring happiness. They can bring joy. They can make like life a heck of a lot easier, but they're not designed to fill you up. And Nicodemus is saying, Jesus, give me something tangible and physical that I can buy, do, create, achieve that's going to fill me up. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. You're going to have to come at this, Nicodemus, from a spiritual perspective. Jesus said in verse 6 on down the page, Humans can produce only human life, but the Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. See, the physical only takes care of the physical, but the Spirit comes from God. And Nicodemus is still scratching his head going, what? Jesus responds, you're a teacher in Israel? You're a Pharisee? You're supposed to know the law that's about the law that's about the law? And you don't get this? Jesus is trying to say, I'm here to help you spiritually. You can try to buy travel, sleep, date, marry your way into meaning, but it won't happen if you're looking for all those things to satisfy the craving that God placed in you to lead you back to Him. And when I look at my life, the times that I'm not satisfied, the times when I look in the mirror and something's missing, it's just not right, those are the times the kingdom of God in my life has been moved aside. For something physical to come in. And I'm hoping that will bring me fulfillment on a long-term basis. And it never will. And Jesus is trying to communicate. The physical, it will fulfill you physically, absolutely. But it will never fulfill you spiritually. So he says, you're an educated man. How can you not get this? If you don't get this, you're not going to get anything else I'm talking about. Nicodemus knew he was incomplete, and he didn't know how to fix it. But somewhere along the line, Nicodemus, who began sitting right here as an observer, got some more information. And he moved from being an observer and just watching and just listening to saying, I get it. It's not physical. It's spiritual. And somewhere that's not recorded in the Bible, he moved over here to saying, I believe. How do we know that? Because if you continue reading the book of John, and it, it, when you read the, the life of Christ, you read about his ministry, you read about his trial, when they brought him before the, the, the religious leaders and tried him on treason and blasphemy, there was somebody that came to his defense. It's recorded in John chapter 7. And they, this person, this religious leader, came to his defense and said, allow this man to speak in his defense. That guy's name was Nicodemus. And then, after Jesus was unjustly executed, there were two guys went to his grave, went to, his, went to where he died to get his body and bury him and take him to his gravesite. One of those guys was Nicodemus. So somewhere along the line, Nicodemus moved from saying, I'm not just an observer anymore, I believe this. He changed, he found what was missing, and he came to understand that I'm incomplete apart from God. So, what about you? Where do you sit today? Did you come here today as a skeptic thinking, Man, I don't know, the music's cool, but I don't know if I buy anything else. 
Did you come here thinking, I, I just, I don't know, not sure. Or just saying, is this stuff for real? Are, are you guys for real? Are you going to pull out something all weird on us? You know, it's week two. You're going to wait till week four and just get all weird on us? Maybe you sit here as a skeptic today. And if, if this is you, I would say keep coming, keep asking questions. God is not afraid of your questions, neither are we. When we say come as you are, we mean it. So if you're here and you're searching but real skeptical, you've probably got some tough questions. Ask. Keep looking. Don't stop. Now, some people here today, you're an observer. You, you maybe got some church experience and you're just saying, I'm going to come check that out. I'm going to listen. I'm going to, you know, just see what it's all about and, you know, maybe ask some questions and, you know, I know who God is and I, I you know, I have this fear of God and this little bit of knowledge of God, but I'm just going to sit back and I'm just going to observe. I'm just going to watch. I'm not ready to make any decisions. Well, then there's people here that are believers, and, and you already believe this thing. You're just like, yeah, man, I've read John 3 a million times. Tell me something I don't know. I mean, you, you know what I'm talking about. You believe it. If this is you, jump in. Just fill out a card, whatever you want to do. Jump in and get involved. But our goal at this church is not just to have church. It's not just to draw a bunch of people more than we ever expected. It's not just to do that. Our goal is to move people from that seat to this seat, however long it takes. It might take you months, years to move from there to there. We're patient. God's patient. So wherever you sit today, you can take the step and begin to find fulfillment. You can take the step and start to find out what it means to fill that place inside of you that craves something even if you don't know what it is. Even if you're craving something and you've tried everything else and nothing has worked and you don't know what it is and you sit here skeptical of one more thing that somebody's telling you is going to fill you up, then ask the tough questions. But you need to know when you're asking those tough questions in the back of everybody's mind is, how can I help this person not be a skeptic anymore? And if that takes a day, a month, a year, two years, time is irrelevant. But no matter where you sit today, I pray that you take that step and you can begin to look in the mirror in the morning and say, you know, my life is starting to mean something. This craving that's inside of me, I'm beginning to understand that I am incomplete. And apart from God, I'm really incomplete. So life is not random. It might have been random for that blackbird in the pear tree when I was 12 years old. But for you, life is not random. All of your past experiences add up to future opportunities in your life. Your life is far from random. I don't think a series of random events got you here. I think you're here for a reason. If you're here last week, I think you came back for a reason. I pray that you just keep searching, keep looking. If that's here, if that's somewhere else, don't stop moving from here to there no matter where you do it. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for another week where uh, you have just left us in awe, where uh, you have drawn people here. And God, I pray for every person that right now knows there's an empty place inside of them. Every person that knows there's something missing, even if they don't know how to fix it, God, I pray that you would just help them 
help them help their life intersect with with someone else who can help them. God, we know that you put a place inside of us, a craving that can only be filled up by you. And I pray that uh, that each person in this room see that sees that nothing physical is ever going to fill that up. Father, we praise you for today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.